Welcome to the St. Edward's Podcast, a church filled with the Holy Spirit. We hope that today's words will draw you closer to Christ Jesus. The readings that are prescribed each Sunday, the four readings each week, the first lesson usually from the Old Testament, sometimes from the book of Acts during Easter season, a psalm, the second lesson from the New Testament and a reading from the gospel. And sometimes when you read through the lectionary, you or hear them read on a Sunday morning, a particular verse jumps out at you. Not all the time, but sometimes it does. It seems to be a word for the moment we are in or the times that we are living in. I read how I read the lectionary usually on Tuesday each week, prayerfully considering what to preach on and see what stands out. And this week, something did jump out at me. It was the last verse of our reading from the prophet Jeremiah. And it says this, Can any idols of the nations bring rain? Or can the heavens give showers? Is it not you, O Lord, our God? We set our hope on you, for it is you who do all this. You know, this verse implies that we are not to put our hope in in a nation nor the idols of any people or religion, nor should we put our hope in nature. Our hope is to be set on God, for it is God who provides. Now to fully grasp what is going on here, uh, we have to look at the context of Jeremiah. His major book is named after him, Jeremiah, which is where our reading is from. He is also known as the author of the book of Lamentations. So he wrote two two books in the Old Testament. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet because he cries out for his nation to repent. Jeremiah lived during a time of political and national upheaval. The threat of war was present. There were also famines and other hardships. And through these times, Jeremiah called for the people to look toward God. He lived in Judah, which was known as the Southern Kingdom. You see, after after King David reigned, his son Solomon reigned. And then after Solomon, Israel, the nation, was divided into two nations. You had a Northern Kingdom, which kept the name Israel. And then you had a Southern Kingdom, which was now known as Judah. And the northern kingdom was destroyed by the Assyrians in 721 BC. We actually talked about that a few weeks ago when we uh, um, looked at the book of Amos, if you recall. Jeremiah, though, was a prophet in the southern kingdom, Judah, around 100 years later and around 630 BC. And he prophesied until the southern kingdom, Judah, was destroyed in 586 BC by the Babylonians. So if you're, if you're doing your, all that math in your head, which I'm sure you're not, but if you are, um, he was a prophet in Judah for over 40 years. And that's a long time for an Old Testament prophet. After Judah was destroyed, Jeremiah was left for dead with the poorest of the people who Babylon had no interest in. You see, what Babylon did is they, they took all the all the important people and all the skilled workers, and they took them to Babylon. That's where we get the stories of Daniel and so forth. But the poor people were left just to rot, and Jeremiah was in that group. Jeremiah prophesied about the coming destruction of Judah. He called for the people of God to repent, 
to repent from worshiping false religions, to repent from not following the ways of God's law, to turn from their selfish goals and desires. But the people of God refused. They did not heed the warnings of Jeremiah, and they assumed God would never allow a foreign army to invade Jerusalem, if not even for the very fact that Jerusalem was the home of God's temple, the place where God, the one true God, Yahweh, dwelled. Surely, he wouldn't let his house be destroyed or overcome. But God is a God of justice too, and destruction did come. The temple was destroyed. Jeremiah knew it was coming. He preached repentance, but he also preached hope. That God will never be faithless even when his people are faithless. He remains faithful to his covenant. And it was in the faithfulness of God Jeremiah proclaimed hope even declaring that God will make a new covenant with his people, this time a new covenant written on their hearts, not on stone tablets. That's in Jeremiah 31. And in all the tension that is set in the context of Jeremiah's, Jeremiah's time, all the warnings and calls for repentance that Jeremiah proclaimed, the book of Jeremiah's aim is to establish a theology of hope. Scholar R.E. Clements writes, Concerning Jeremiah, he says, The prophetic dilemma was to find a place for hope in the face of the deep despair experienced by many in Israel. Jeremiah's warnings, threats, and his desisting from intercession speak more constructively and creatively about the theological foundations of hope in the midst of suffering. Now, if you're inspired today to go home and start reading through the book of Jeremiah, it's a tough read. It's a book of much suffering, but it also teaches hope. And it teaches the beauty of hope even when facing despair. New York Times bestselling book, Adrift, came out in the late 90s, early 2000s. Tells the story of a man who built a vessel that was to sail him through the whole of the Atlantic. Sort of a, a large loop that he was planning and he hit bad weather and his vessel went down and he existed on a raft for almost 80 days. The thing that kept the man alive was hope. And his lowest days were the days when he could see no hope and he could not see the possibility of being rescued or making it to the islands or coming into the shipping lanes and being found by one of those vast vessels on, its, on the trade routes in the Atlantic but his hope kept him alive. Someone once said, we can live 40 days without food, eight days without water, four minutes without air, but only a few seconds without hope. Our world struggles with hope, and you hear it. Just walk down to the craft fair, you'll probably hear people without hope. People say, I don't know if we want to have children and bring them into this world. Or, if this political candidate gets elected, what hope is there? And yet, as Christians, we are to be people of hope. Not so focused on the desires and dreams of our world, but bringing the hope of the heavens to the living on earth. As we pray, on earth as it is in heaven. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis writes this, 
Hope means a continual looking forward to the eternal world. It does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Our hope is in Christ, not this world, not what we have achieved, not our political positions. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in his life, that God incarnate was born as a baby and lived without sin. Our hope is in Christ's death, the redeeming sacrifice that he made on the cross. Our hope is in his resurrection, that he broke the curse of sin and death, rising from the grave. Our hope is in Christ's ascension, that he is at the right hand of God, powerfully interceding for us. And our hope is that he is coming again, that we may live with him forever and ever. And this is one of the themes of our gospel reading today too. You see, Jesus told this parable about two men who went up to the temple to pray and one a Pharisee and the other a tax person. And the Pharisee posed and prayed like this, Oh God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, crooks, adulterers, or heaven forbid, like, like this tax guy over here. I fast twice a week and I tithe on all my income. Meanwhile, the tax man slumped in the shadows, his face in his hands, not daring to look up, said, God, give mercy, forgive me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. You see, the religious leader, the Pharisee's hope was founded in his works, his fasting, his giving, his knowledge, where the sinner's hope was found not in the things that, that he did, but it was founded on God's mercy. He just cried out to God for mercy. Our hope doesn't come from what we have done. It is found on Christ Jesus alone. Our hope is built on the foundation of the cross of Jesus. Our hope is built on the promises of God. And in this world, things will not always go our way. In this world, things can go very badly. It doesn't take one's imagination to see this. You can simply turn on your computer. Even the ones we trust the most can hurt us. Even the groups we most admire can let us down. But it is the person of Jesus Christ that our hope is found, which is why we look to him, the author and finisher of our faith. In these days, in these coming weeks, especially in election season, I had two texts yesterday telling me who to vote for from random people. <laughs> Many promise the hope of tomorrow. But may our real hope be found in Jesus Christ. For when we focus on him and his kingdom, everything else is placed in proper perspective. May we be a people of hope, sharing hope with others in this world.
Amen. Thank you for joining us in this conversation today. We will continue to pray that our teachings are impacting you for the kingdom of God. If you'd like to learn more about our community, you can find us on stedwardsepiscopal.com or on Facebook. And of course, we'd love for you to visit us in beautiful Mount Dora. May God's grace fill you as you go in peace.